You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Psalm 119, um, I, I should have, I haven't received any thank you notes in the mail or any text messages, but somebody a long time ago sh- should have thanked me for not preaching the whole psalm in one service. And uh, some of you are thinking, we wish you wouldn't preach that many verses. You're still long. But um, we're going to get through Psalm 119, but we're taking it a section at a time. There are 22 sections in Psalm 119. It's an alphabetic psalm. So in the Hebrew alphabet, each section corresponds with a letter of the Hebrew alphabet. So here we are at verses 57 to 64, and you can see the, uh, the heading there of the uh, Hebrew letter of the alphabet, the letter Cheth is there. In verse number 57 is where we'll start tonight, but David writes and he says, Thou art my portion, O Lord. Now, we don't use the word portion today in the same way that David was using it. We'll talk about what this means here in a moment. But I'd like to preach tonight, I'd like to uh, hopefully help us tonight with this thought, the Lord is my portion. Lord, I pray you'd speak to us and give us what we need from the Word of God this evening. We thank you and praise you for the privilege we've had to be together in church tonight. I pray we would not miss what your Word has that every one of us, I believe, needs tonight. And I pray that we would be attentive, I pray we'd be receptive And Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would take something from this scripture tonight and I pray that you would put it right in our laps, put it right in our hearts. May it be something that we can take home and we can apply to our lives, we pray in Jesus' name, amen. When I think of the word portion, I think about growing up and I think about the fact that in a a family, a large family, Um, You know, whenever your favorite meal was coming along, you wanted to get a good portion. And, you know, it's not always equal portions because if you're uh, the oldest, shouldn't you get the largest portion if you're the oldest in the family? I would have thought so. I don't know it always worked that way. But our family, we loved and we still do love pizza. Now, I, I know some of you are not impressed. I know some of you appreciate the finer things of life, but our family, we loved and we still love pizza. Well, how many of you know if you get a pizza, they sometimes, they don't cut all the slices exactly the same. Now, I think they should, but they don't. And when they don't, if you love pizza, which slice are you going to get? You can get the biggest one, right? And then if you get the biggest one and it just so happens that the next one is stuck to it, you know the rule, right? If if they're stuck together, you got to take them both. And so you look at the pizza and you say, I'm going to get a portion of this pizza. I'm going to get a slice of this pizza. That's how we use the word portion. But that's not what this is talking about here because David says that God is his portion. Now, a portion was an inheritance or it was a reward often after a battle. After the, the soldiers or, or, or a, an army would conquer and they would take the spoil of the land 
and then they would put everything out and then each of the soldiers would get uh, an inheritance or they would get a share or they would get some of the spoil from that battle. This word often referred to land. It could be an inheritance or it could be the spoil or the riches of battle. So David had seen this many times. Of course, he was the king. Uh, he was the general. Uh, he was a mighty man. Uh, he was the one that conquered Goliath, and he was the one that uh, conquered many, uh, many enemies, and he was the one that uh, they sang, Saul hath slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands. So he'd seen this many times, and he'd seen the men gather around and say, I'd like this rope, I'd like this uh, 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 silver, I'd like this gold, I'd like this, and I'd like this, and He'd seen people take all of those different portions. David says this. He says, y'all can have all that stuff you want. You can have the riches. You can have the land. You can have the clothing. You can have the things of this world. But David said, my portion, he's the only one I want. David said, my portion is the Lord. Thou art my portion. Can I tell you, you don't get a better portion than that. It doesn't come any better than saying, I want what God has to offer. I want the blessing of God. I want the favor of God. When you have God as your portion, you never have to worry about somebody else getting something bigger or better than you because you've got the best. Psalm 73, you don't have to turn there, but David said, my flesh and my heart faileth, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. If you're taking notes, number one, the word is portion, but David says, my portion is forever. Clothing doesn't last forever. Riches do not last forever. Uh, 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 treasures do not last forever. But David said, I've got a portion I've got an inheritance, I've got a reward, I have God, and that is a portion that will last forever, and nobody can take it away. Aren't you glad that God can be, and God wants to be your portion? Psalm 142, verse 5, David said, I cried unto thee, O Lord, I said, thou art my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Number one, David said, God is my portion and he's forever. But number two, David said, God is my portion and he is my fortress. Now, it wasn't every day that you'd get to choose a portion and say, I'll take that refuge, I'll take that fortress, I'll take that whole city. But David said, God is my portion and he is my refuge. You know, David needed a refuge many times. Because David knew what it was to be chased. He knew what it was to be hunted. He knew what it was to be sought after and for people to come and to literally try to take his life. He had hid out in caves many times. He had been on the run. He had been running as fast as he could and knowing if he stopped, the enemy was going to get him. David said, I'm so glad that I have a refuge. I have a fortress where I can run, and God is my refuge and my portion in the land of the living. Sometimes we think that 
all the treasures that God will give us and all the blessings God will give us, that those are all in heaven. And by the way, there's a whole lot of blessings coming in heaven. But I'm thankful there's a lot of blessings down here. God is so good and God wants to be your refuge down here. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be any more storms. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be any more enemies. When you get to heaven, there's not going to be any more problems. So God will be your refuge and God will be my refuge right here. Our portion is forever. Our portion, our, our portion is a fortress. But then Jeremiah says in Lamentations 3, verse 24, he says, The Lord is my portion, saith my soul. Therefore will I hope in him. I see our portion comes by faith. You see, we're talking about God being our portion, but I've never seen God. I've never heard the audible voice of God, but I believe God is more real than this pulpit of wood that I'm standing behind today. You know why I believe that? I believe it by faith. Because without faith, it's impossible to please Him. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. It's the evidence of things not seen. You say, well, how do you know you're saved? By faith. How do you know Genesis 1-1 is true? In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. By faith. You say, well, where do you get faith? Well, Romans says, so then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. You know how you get your faith strengthened? You get in this book. You know how you get your faith weakened? You put the book on the shelf and all you do is listen to what people have to say. Well, I don't have a lot of confidence in what people have to say because people don't know what they're talking about. People are confused. People, people are lost. People are, they are, they are out there in la-la land sometimes. Have you ever just listened to somebody's reasoning apart from the Bible? It doesn't make any sense. Takes a whole lot more faith to believe in evolution takes a whole lot more faith to believe in the philosophy of this world than it just does just to simply believe this book. But faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. God is my fortress. God is my portion forever. And God is my portion and I believe it by faith. I wonder this evening if you would be satisfied. And I wonder this evening if I would be satisfied if we said all I have and all I need is God. He is my portion, David said. Thou art my portion, O Lord, I have said that I would keep thy words. Number one, we see the word portion. Number two, I want you to see the word promise. David says, I have said that I would keep thy words. You see, when you have a desire for God and you have a desire for God to be your portion, there's going to be a desire to keep his word. This is a commitment that David makes. This is a vow that David says. He says, God, I have said it. I've told you. I'm saying it again, but I want to keep. I want to live by. I want to obey your word. You say, well, what good does it do to announce something? What good does it do to make it public? It keeps you accountable. By the way, the Bible has a lot to say that it'd be better not to make a vow than to make a vow and not pay it. But I think some of us would do well if we would make some vows and make them public and make some commitments to the Lord so we're accountable. 
You know, one of the blessings and one of the, the benefits of having a church family is that you're accountable. You're accountable one to another. You're accountable to pray for one another. You're accountable to be in your spot. You're accountable to be in your ministry. You're accountable uh, to be faithful to what God has called you to do. And I believe we need some folks that will make some commitments. And you don't have to make the commitment to me, but make a commitment and say, by the grace of God, I'm going to read my Bible every day. With God's help, I'm going to pray every day. With God's help, I'm going to witness. I'm going to serve. I'm going to give. I'm going I'm to do all that I can in, in, in whatever ministry you're in. But I'm going to be faithful. We make commitments in a lot of other areas. We make financial commitments. Uh, we make work commitments. Uh, January's coming. There's going to be a whole lot of commitments on January 1st, right? No more sugar. Uh, no more soda. No more whatever. Well, I'm not talking about those kind of commitments, but I'm talking about a commitment to God. We must make some commitments. We're in a battle we're in a fight. We talked about it this morning. We are in, engaged in spiritual warfare. and There must be some commitments. There must be some accountability. We must recognize that we are not in a, a game, but we're in a fight. And can I tell you, a fight is difficult. It's going to cost us something. There's going to be some commitment. No pain, no gain. May God help us to make some commitments. If you're going to claim the Lord... As your portion, you must be willing to live according to his word. It will not always be easy, but I promise you it will be worth it. You'll never come to the end of your life and say, you know, I wish I hadn't obeyed that book. I wish I hadn't read that Bible so much. I wish I hadn't gone to church so much. I wasted so much time. I could have been sitting at home watching Leave it to Beaver and I missed all the reruns and oh man, what a miserable life. No, you only get one life. And I only get one life. Let's make it count. Let, let, let's make a difference for eternity. David made a promise. He said, I have said that I would keep thy words. Notice verse 58. We see the third word is the word prayer. David says, I entreated thy favor with my whole heart. That word entreat it means to beseech. It means to pray. It literally means to beg. Sometimes at the point of becoming sick, some point, sometimes at the point of becoming sorrowful, but to literally entreat for something. Now we don't, today we don't, especially in the United States of America, uh, we're not in a condition like that where most of us, maybe some of you as you were growing up, you knew what it was to be hungry and to not have a meal for that day can i tell you we're living now in a generation where we're so spoiled we're so picky it's not that we don't have anything to eat it's just maybe we don't have something that we especially like to eat but if you've ever been to the point where you had nothing if you've ever been to the point where you were hungry and you thought if i don't get some food i might not make it can i tell you what you do You'd beg. You'd do anything to, to find a job. You'd do anything to do some work just to get some food to survive. You would entreat. You would pray. Uh, you would ask and plead and beg for someone to help you. And David said, I entreated thy favor 
with my whole heart. He said, God, I'm praying to you. I'm begging you. And then number four, he says, with my whole heart, with passion. He says, God, I've got to have your favor. David is not asking for food. David is not asking for fortune. David is not asking for fame. David is asking for the favor and the blessing of God. I wonder when was the last time that we got so hungry for God's blessing that we literally begged. We pleaded with the Lord and said, God, I've got to have your blessing. I can't just go through life in my own strength. I can't be the husband I need to be. I can't be the father I need to be. I can't be uh, the employee I need to be. I can't be the Christian I need to be. God, I can't do this without you. I wonder when was the last time that we really got serious about begging God for something. I remember, I think it was shortly after my wife and I were married, or maybe it was right before, but I remember talking to uh, my father-in-law, uh, Pastor Brown, he's been here before. and He pastored that church in Iowa, uh, Marion Avenue Baptist Church in Washington, Iowa, for about 37, 38 years. It was an amazing church. Uh, he and his wife had moved from uh, Walkertown, North Carolina, and they moved to Iowa, and they felt like they had moved to another country. It was cold. The people were different. The food was different. Everything was different. They, they went and they had about, I think there was five families that had kind of come together and they bought an old church building. Kind of would remind you of the, the old building on the avenue and they bought that and fixed it up. And uh, They got there and within just a, a short time that they were there, they had a baby boy that was born and then died just a few days after he was born. They'd moved away from family. They'd moved away from everybody they knew and trying to build a church and just this town of 6,000 people. And when I say 6,000 people, I'm not talking about 6,000 here and then, you know, a couple miles, there's another 10, another 20. I mean, it was 6,000 people in the middle of nowhere. I remember talking to my father-in-law and I was asking him about those days. And I remember him telling me, he said, you know, Jeremy, he said, I got to a point where I fasted, I prayed, and I just, I begged God that he would do something in that church. He said, and he, this, these were his words, he said, I lost weight. He said, I was sick. He said, I, just, I wasn't doing well physically because spiritually I was just so torn. I just wanted to see God do something. I, I just didn't want it to be just going through the motions. He said, but I was begging for God to give his power and to give his blessing. And I'll never forget, I, I thought that the story was going to end a little bit differently. And as he continued to tell that story, he said, and then he said, one day... God answered me. He said, God asked me, he said, why? Why does the church have to grow? Is it for you? Is it to make you feel good? Is it to make you feel better about this ministry so maybe you'd have something that you could boast in or something that you could be proud of? My father-in-law said, I, I talked to the Lord and prayed with the Lord and sought the Lord and said, I, I searched myself. He said, oh, no. He said, it's not for me. He said, I wanted to see a work built for God. Can I tell you, God has done some great things in this church, but I don't believe God's done. I don't believe he has finished. As a matter of fact, 
This is just me. I may, I may scare you. You may think I've lost my mind. But I think God's just getting started. Because there's no limit to what God can do. And there's no limit to what God can do with a people that would just say, God, we, we're just instruments. We're just vessels, but we want you to use us. We want to see more people get saved. We want to see more people reached. We want to see a community come back to God. We want to see some children grow up that love God and serve God. And we want to see some people sent out of here that will start churches and, and, and go to mission fields. And we want to see some people raised up out of here that will be on fire to see God do a work. And can I tell you, that's not going to come from casual Christianity. That's going to come, like verse 58 says, when we entreat we beg for God's favor. We beg for God's blessing with our whole heart, with our passion, with everything we have. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.